Welcome to another episode of Hey Mama. This is going to be the uh, part one in a three-part series where we're going to tell um, our origins as a husband and wife team of the Fit Mum Method and the Fit Dad Method. And this first episode about the origin of us is going to be Peter. And we're going to get to the bottom of how he grew up, what makes him the person that he is. And the next uh, part of this series that we're going to do is about me and what makes me up, what makes um, the person that I am. And then in the third one, we are going to do the, the story of us. So who doesn't love a good love story? And I think that everyone will really enjoy our story on how we got together and what makes us uh, who we are and the team, the, the powerful team that we are, and also um, the parents that we are as well. So I'm going to ask the first question about Peter is, where did you grow up? I grew up everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah. so I grew up in Western Sydney. Uh, so between... Called say Windsor and Parramatta. Uh, I grew up in various different places. We moved around a fair bit, and I went to a few different schools uh, in my childhood. And uh, I moved to Adelaide in my teenage years, and then Dubbo, where I met obviously met you in my young adult years. So yeah, that's a that's a big. It's a broad kind of area that I grew up in. Why did you move around a lot? Was that for your parents? Is it for jobs? What, how come you moved around so much? Um, so I would probably say moved around a bit because so we were uh, embroiled in a family law battle for about eight years. Uh, so from the age four to 12, uh, that was a pretty significant part of life. And we moved for a variety of reasons, but I can only assume now that it was due to just renting and uh, finding uh, places to live after you know, um, being kicked out or something. Or I'm not really sure. Um, I moved schools a fair bit. So I went to South Windsor Public to start with, which then... Uh, I moved to Parramatta, St Mary's actually, uh, St Mary's, Maryland's, Maryland's a Catholic school. Uh, and I, I think that was dad's choice. Um, and then I went to Parramatta Public. I went to uh, St Michael's in, in, in Blacktown as well. So this was all happening around year two, year three, or year one, year two. Um, and we're just told where to go. <laughs> so in primary school is where you moved around the most, would you say, before you got to high school? Yeah, um, early primary school. So I spent a big chunk of time at, at St Michael's in Blacktown uh, from year two to year six. Okay. And what was it like uh, as a primary school kid? Did you like school? Did you not like school. school? Hated school? Why did you hate school? I was the uh, token fat boy. Uh, I was heavily bullied. There was kind of no, um, there was relentless actually, like at home was unstable and, and school was unstable as well. So 
yeah, I didn't really enjoy my young childhood. And when you say uh, bullied relentless, what like what would happen? You were bullied because you were the token fat boy, or were you bullied for more than you know than that? I think I was just socially awkward, to be honest. You know, the on the outside, it was an easy uh, thing to blame being the token fat boy. But I look back on photos and I don't think I was really like really that big to begin with, but I was being bullied. I think that came as a result, um, maybe even my emotions or something like that. Mm. Um, I What's do, the I do bullying remember being though? in like th- size 32 um, pants in year four or five. The only way I know that is we were going to get some pants from Goonies or something like that. Um, and that was, I didn't realise at the time, but like now being in size 34 as a grown adult, I had pretty big hips. So I remember being um, bullied for like my big butt. Um, so people would say like, you know, yeah. you had a big butt. Yeah. Yeah, like a bubble butt. <laughs> And then mum would be like token mum and say, uh, girls will like that when you're older. <laughs> um, but at the time, did, that didn't help. <laughs> yeah. and, it, and it offended you, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And so then when you got to high school, what was that like? Did you get some more stability? Yeah. So it was a really key defining kind of, time of life um i remember being in year six at st michael's there was a big group of boys that i would be bullied by now they're jocks like they were the football boys mm-hmm. and they were going they to were tra- bullying you at school at uh, high school no this is oh, this six. is this is still in year six yeah. okay cool. so at st michael's and they they were the football or the soccer boys and um i remember the names uh, that's how clearly i, I I remember this period of yeah. life, right? Yeah. And um, I knew they were going to Patrician Brothers in Blacktown. So they were all going there. They're so excited. Because I, knew t- I knew Patrician Brothers yeah. as well. It's all about football. You're so a football. footballer, you go there. Yeah. And uh, I went there for a week. And I just, I was, uh, I suppose, with high school and we're experiencing this now, it's a big mishmash of Mm. personalities, hierarchies, people who are cool in their older school coming in and trying to push their weight around. So very quickly within the seven days, everything went downhill. Um, I didn't go there with friends and then there were all of a sudden five times more bullies. So uh, I was out of my depth and didn't have the confidence in that environment to even think about playing football. But um, as soon as I made the decision to, so by that stage, we, this is kind of, this is where everything came together and a lot of different areas of life just blew up. Um, by that stage, there were eight years, eight years had gone by in the family law courts. Um, and this is like going back and forth at Paramount's family law. Um, I'd be dragged in with Chris or they'd be doing the, uh, fighting while we're at school or, or, or whatever um and then i just had enough and there were talks of this between me and chris uh in, in like just getting the police involved and having an ado out on my father so that it would all just stop 
Um, so I ran to the police station after school one day uh, because I knew I wasn't being picked up by dad, but one of his friends. And then after about three or four hours at the police station in Blacktown, uh, I left with the ADA against dad. And that was um, the last I saw of him. It was the end of the family law case. Uh, I, we sent Chris over there a couple, for a couple more weeks. And it was just him alone with dad. Um, but by that stage, I think he was pretty defeated and he just gave up. Your dad was pretty defeated. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why. So would you say that that all ended because you got the police involved? So he decided to drop the case. Is that what happened? Yeah, he probably stopped fighting for custody for us. Boys. Yeah, because you went to the police and said and put the AVO out on him. Yeah. So was his decision to drop the case? Do you know that? I don't know. You don't sure. know that for sure, but you just know that it was over. Was over. That the fighting was over. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I got to stay with mum, which was what me and Chris were kind of always wanting. Was oh my god, there's so much to like rehash to make things make sense um yeah he's nervous by the way because he's normally <laughs> the one that's been in control here and so you know he was trying to get out of this was, <laughs> oh this isn't perfect and this and that so um you're doing pretty well <laughs> he doesn't like me being the one that's um controlling the whole thing or anybody for that matter <laughs> so yeah you've ended um the the eight years of yeah. the the, the yeah, fighting of yeah. your mum and dad over who gets the kids you know yeah but the you, you know your parents basically using you guys as a pawn in their um relationship feud so then uh, you talked about you talk about the jocks right um and that you didn't really get along with the jocks or you were getting teased by the jocks and stuff mm. it, is is what do you reckon is a reason why you've never really bonded with the jock kind of um with the boys yeah with the like a, being a boy's boy yeah, a boy's boy yeah so do you think that that has something to do with growing up mainly with your mum yeah so for it all to make sense um i spent from four to around six living with mum seeing dad on the weekends three weekends out of four was the arrangement and then mum went for 50-50 custody. No, mum, sorry, mum went for full custody. Um, she wanted more weekends. And in that whole going for more, she actually ended up with less. It was 50-50. Yeah. yeah. Because back then, like what, but you know, what are we talking? 1997. Yeah. 27. And that was where men were fighting for more rights. Or the courts started getting jack, I think, of um of people just coming in and like really our case was a cornerstone case for family law around that time it was it was being used as an example in um law school family law school so i think the courts just seen so much of the negro brown case that they were just like you know what you guys are never going to actually agree on anything so you can have we'll trial this and it was a trial they went to trial how 50 50 custody would work in a in a uh, family law situation yeah um, and it became the precedent mm. uh, for years to come now to it still this day, is. To yeah. this day you go to court with your kids it's 50 50 custody 
So that you can spend all the money in the world, and then they nine times out of ten, nine times out of ten, exactly. you end up with 50-50, no matter what's happening in yeah. the household. Yeah. 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 And looking back, like uh in that period of time when they were fighting over us, uh neither neither parent was more neglectful than the other. Um there was just personality clashes and when I think about, well, it's very cloudy still. I still can't make sense of it all. But when I think about why I wanted to spend uh, the most time with mum, it was because I was just drawn, drawn and more connected to her than I was dad. It was that simple. Um, We would be on the computers a lot at dad's house. he, he still, he worked, so we were often left in cars for a few hours on a weekend uh, when he was working. Um, so that, that was that was happening over there. But then again, like, that was happening with mum as well. It was the 90s, so they had to mm, yeah. work to make money. So even, even, we were left at home while she was doing a sales rep job or we were in the actual, we were in the actual uh, front window of a chemist while she did the... Uh, ex- exhibition building <laughs> of some kind of Nicorette product or something like that. And that's so, what you did back then in the 90s. Yeah. Like, or if we were sick, we'd go to, to work with mum because if we weren't old enough to stay at home. Now we feel ourselves. so guilty about having our kids around while we're on the screen. Yeah, home, yeah, working, working or taking them or taking them to the gym with us. Oh, yeah. that's so that's so terrible. Yeah. And uh, then, so that you would more geared towards your mum. And now you're looking back with it with a zoomed out lens. But when you were in it, mm. did you feel as though there was one parent better than the other? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. The story. The story was that mum yeah. was better than dad. Yeah. And I think that's coming back to your question about why I've never been a boy's boy. Uh, I've always been in touch with my feminine side. I've always had that connection to mum. Uh, I was always told I was the man, man of the house and that, you know, I was mum's rock. And that's kind of how I define myself for a very long time. So in those <clears throat> primary years, I really struggled to connect with people uh, purely because I suppose we didn't have much stability or some, any structure. Like it wasn't as if we could connect over sport. So if I had people in primary school or, or in my class, they were off playing sport on the weekends. We weren't, we were being shoved from Windsor mm. to Blacktown or Blacktown mm. to Windsor, uh, you know. Basically doing nothing. Yeah, you didn't have any common ground. No common ground. That's such a good point. Any, any kids. Yeah. So what could you, what would you go and connect with yeah. in the, in the, in the, you know, out in the backyard, like yeah. we're out in the schoolyard. You know, mm. you think about Logie or you think about Miri, like they go in there, oh, you want to do cartwheels or you want to play mums and dads. Yeah, and I wasn't particularly physically skilled. So, any like, yeah, but anything like that yeah. in terms of made up games or mm. did what about like with <laughs> with computers? You know, did you find any friends that had computers? I had like, I had not a lot of nerdy friends mm. at, that, at, that, at that age. And I remember you all relate to this. I remember going over to his name was Thomas Valentine. Valentine. Yeah, he was this white boy. He was uh, had the perfect family, like the mum, the dad that were together. Yeah. Went over his house, two-story house, beautiful house. Mm. And um, 
I remember going over there and then I remember really, and I couldn't understand why, and, I, and I'm getting the feeling again, again as I'm talking about it, but I wanted to get out of that place. Like Does it made you there, feel so uncomfortable? So uncomfortable. Yeah. So uncomfortable that I didn't like it. And we, our friendship faded from there. There was another guy, um, his last name, I can't remember his first name, Mansour, his last name. And it was the same thing, like went over to his house uh, and just went to get out of there. Because mm, you feel so uncomfortable yeah. and, and you don't like to feel uncomfortable. Right. I've noticed. Yeah. I mean, if you will <laughs> dart and run away from, yes. from that. Yeah, like I could probably die that is. <laughs> okay, so then high school, it took a pivotal turn. So we started talking about Patrician Brothers and it lasted yep. like a week. You know, you don't get along with the jock boys. And mm. when you go to Patrician Brothers, I don't know if anybody has, has heard of it before, but I grew up. And I suppose we connected on this as well later on in another episode. We'll talk about that. Mm. But like being, you know, Westie, Sydney Westerners, yeah. <laughs> um, little did we even know that we were growing up in similar places or yeah. similar areas and so now um, these days we totally connect on, <laughs> on this kind of um, thing but we knew back in going to Camden High School that um, you know you're a good footballer that's where you should go is Patrician Brothers, brothers. Yeah. Um, so yeah so why were you thrown into Patrician Brothers anyway because you hadn't actually even started any sport at this stage so dad was Catholic I was baptised Roman Catholic mm -hmm. and it was very important for him to have us at a Catholic school. Mm -hmm. So more context, we went to South, South Windsor Public because mm -hmm. mum enrolled us in the school. Then they went to court and mm -hmm. through court they decided that we should go to a Catholic school. Mm -hmm. So dad got his way there. Uh, so we went to Maryland's and the only reason we went to Maryland is because his family were close by. Uh, so I'm guessing his idea was that I'd be able to walk to Nana's mm -hmm. and um, finish school. And then for some reason, I was ripped out of that school, put back into Paramount, and then, and then within a week, went back to Maryland's mm -hmm. uh, public school. And, and then I can't even remember the, the, the time frame between going back there to then going now to, to uh, St. Michael's. But I, I would say what happened was, mum negotiated closer into Blacktown. It's all where, that, where she could get a house. Yeah. It was cheaper out there yeah. living. Yeah, yeah, more affordable. So sure. we'll go into St Michael's uh, and then the natural pathway from St Michael's is Patrician Brothers. They were linked schools. Okay. And then you had Nagel, Nagel Girls or something. I can't remember the girls' school, but it was attached to St Michael's and it was a girls' school. So... Uh, we went from St. Michael's, I went from St. Michael's to Patrician Mothers purely for the fact that it was Catholic and yeah, it uh, was that the, was the pathway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so lasted seven days at Patrician Brothers. And in hindsight, had I probably stuck that out, I probably would have really become a good football player. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was going to say deep, like... Deep regret because yeah. I ran from that, which wasn't yeah. the first thing that I ran, ran from. from. Yeah. Uh, I remember I ran from kickboxing grading and I wish I had done it, knowing what I know now. So I ran from Patrician Brothers and landed in Evans High School in Blacktown. So Evans High School was a, wasn't the greatest school, uh, definitely not as prestigious as Patrician Brothers. 
but having been able to go there, uh, I was uh, I was a fresh. It was a fresh start, and I could create any persona that I desired. Because mm, no one knew you. No one knew me, yeah. and, and it was a you break, significant you off. break yeah. from the family law that had been yeah. the complete yeah. def definition of my life up yeah. to that point. So it was kind of like a clean slate. And um, so that's where I, I went to Evans High School. And funnily enough, mum had a new boyfriend on the scene. By that stage, she was about 12 months in a relationship with mum. And he used to play football. So Chris wanted to play football. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll play football too. Chris is your younger brother. Chris is my younger brother. So we ended up playing football for Mitchenberry Jets. And I'm being really good. <laughs> um, like I played under 12s, it was my first season. And I remember uh, the first game that I played, I absolutely sucked. Uh, I had no idea what I was doing. And the, and the way that I've learned how to play was uh, I was told by the, one of the trainers to watch Tamar Tahu on the wing uh, the night before because uh, Newcastle was playing Parramatta, I think it was, in that actual game. And he said, just do what Tamar Tahu does. I'm like, Okay, <laughs> so I stood out on the wing, and when the ball came to me, I'm pretty sure I dropped it. Uh, it was, it was just, it was a, it wasn't the best game, but I persevered and I played my second game. And in my second game, just purely for the fact that I was a big boy, I came in and I hit this guy on the leg and I broke his femur. And from then on, like my whole team just loved me. You were like the the hero. I was the hero. <laughs> That poor dude that broke his femur. I was the start of the start of the comp. You still so you feel bad about that to this day, don't you? But yeah, at the same yeah, time, yeah, it defines you. And yeah, <laughs> it's it's uh, what's it's it's bittersweet. Yeah, yeah, it was a yeah, bittersweet, bittersweet moment because yeah. I, I had found something. They called me Bulldozer, my first nickname, nickname ever. Uh, and then this uh, little uh, Aboriginal boy come up to me at training and he goes. Pete, I thought you were really shit when I first saw you play. <laughs> but then I found out that you've never actually played in your entire life. So well done. <laughs> and you guys became friends, right? Yeah, we became friends. Yeah. Um, he was he was cool. Yeah. Uh, so I played under 12s and then I played uh, under 13s. And under 13s was when I kind of came into my own. I got like seven or eight men in the matches that year. Um, mm, what's it, yeah? I suppose that it was just sparked you to keep going, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. First, the nickname, the, yeah, the, well, the knowing how, like that you were actually strong. So yeah. before in in primary school, you were told you had a big bubble butt and you felt like you were mm. fat and all that kind of thing. And then you came into playing your game of football, mm. and then you actually got some compliments, feedback, yeah, <laughs> some actual yeah, positive. My big, my big legs, they they helped right <laughs> yeah. and i remember you know like seeing him for the first time thinking oh he's got footballer legs yeah <laughs> so yeah and then at high school i really enjoyed uh, evans high school for the first half of the time that i spent there but and i see this in other people too i had masked this this actual real pete that was underneath so I pretended that I was the cool kid. I pretended I was the um, jock. 
I started bullying other people to just put myself above them in that pecking order because all I knew was bullied or, or bully. Hurt Being people, bullied hurt or, people. Yeah. yeah. And it's a doggy dog world in, the, in school. Yeah, so yeah. looking back on that, that's not something I'm proud of, but like it was survival <laughs> um, for me. because I been, think we can all relate to that. Like it's a jungle out there <laughs> and it is survival of the fittest. Yeah. 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 But what makes you a better person is that you can look back on that and not be proud of it and take responsibility mm. for it. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. You didn't continue to do it. No. Like I think for the next few years, things started to get rocky, get rocky again uh, in terms of stability. And, and as a old, like a, as an adult now, I look back on that and I think, did I make the right choice in? The pathway that I went in terms of who I chose, which parent I chose to go with, because it got pretty bad. Mm. Um, far worse than family law. So you had a little bit of stability there where things had, you know, it's like a movie, right? Things go like, you know, it's all struggle town and things go really well for a while. And you think, yeah, okay, my life is sorted. And then things go down the shitter again. Yeah. 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 We reached new lows. Yeah. So, So. um oh, where do i begin on this one <laughs> so there was a lot of domestic violence in the house halfway through year seven uh and a lot of manipulation from the the boyfriend boyfriend yeah mum's uh, boyfriend so yeah you really didn't get much of a break no, seven, halfway months. through the year yeah six months six months, six months of a, a bit of freedom yeah a bit of stability yeah yeah so that was very a very volatile relationship uh it was volatile volatile before family law court stops so i shouldn't have been surprised that it continued um but i had my mindset on being with mum so much that it didn't matter uh mum also had taylor my Mm. um she had another baby daughters. with this with this yeah, new guy. Yeah, so that's just like further solidified the reason I wanted to sort of stay with mum. Yeah. Um, and then after probably six months of having that breather at high school, we decided that uh, mum decided that she would move to uh, Adelaide, and she always wanted to because her parents were down in Cairns Island, so we moved down there. And uh, probably spent a whole term moving down there. Like, gosh, this is still in year seven. Yeah. 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 So, so I, I move again. Yeah, a, move, a big move. Yeah. And at the point of which we moved, uh, it was there was a blow up between mum and Paul. Um, so at the, at the very decision of moving, and they blew up, mm. and uh, we moved there without him. But he ended up coming mm. after mum went back to get some stuff and then he she brought him back. I'm, I'm not sure. I can't speak to that. That was a very toxic relationship. But he ended up coming down with us. And all the way up to that point, I can remember like being in places like Missionary Jets and they would fight while we were having a barbecue down there. It was yeah. so fucking embarrassing. Yeah. Um, I would, you know, be, would be at St Mary's Coles and, and they would fight in the car park over her hearing my mum hearing from an ex yeah um so it was always very volatile 
And uh, there were situations where we were out at like Penrith Panthers, they have fire the Panthers club. Mm. We'd go home by ourselves, he'd walk all the way back from Penrith Panthers, Panthers jump through the window and bleed all over the bed because he cut himself as we broke as we broke in the house. So very toxic. There was a lot of toxicity and then he ended up coming down to Adelaide, uh, actually coming out of Kangaroo Island. So we were on a island, third third largest island in Australia. <laughs> and it was this secluded country town um, thrown into year eight and they all played AFL. So all of a sudden I'm this gay Sydney dude from uh, Oxford Street who played rugby league, uh, similar to that of Hawaii. Um, so I stuck my finger up people's bums. And I was back in that whole yeah. uh, bullying, bullying stage. cycle again. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, <laughs> I find it hard not to think that I've probably attracted some of it. And, you know, you're shaped by your environment, the people around you. So mm. I didn't have the best environment. That's best right. So it wasn't that you attracted it. It was the environment mm. that you were being brought up in. Yeah. Unfortunately, not. It's really fault of your own. It's just the cards that you dealt with. Yeah. So from there, I felt I'm going to fast forward heaps here mm. because there's a lot of toxicity still. Mum had Jamie, my uh, youngest of my two sisters, and she, and she had her on uh, in Adelaide. So we'd moved. So we'd moved to Adelaide. Uh, while, while mum was pregnant. We moved to Adelaide because the medical facilities over on Kangaroo weren't the greatest. And I was accident prone. I fell off my bike and I ripped my jaw open. Mm. So my from my lip down to the very bottom of my chin, um, I had a, a, a cut inside my mouth, probably about that wide uh, all the way down. So I had to go over to Adelaide Dental Hospital and uh, one of the fantastic dentists there washed out my mouth. There was grass seed growing in the mouth. Uh, they stitched it up, 60 stitches from the inside of my, my lip to my, uh, around my teeth. Um, luckily, I didn't really get much of a You didn't get, there. no, you don't have any scars or anything yeah. like that. Like, I can't believe. But I spent seven days with that gash, that big open wound. Uh, because there was no dental hospital on the island. island and the only way to get out was through a uh, like a hospital evac which would be just completely out of budget <laughs> so we have to wait until the seas this is sounds sounds really far out like a bloody novel or something but um, <laughs> we have to wait till the ocean settled down for yeah. the ferries to start running again so we could catch a ferry from Penishaw um, to Victor Harbour, drive two hours up to Adelaide, see this, see this dental surgeon, Come have on. my mouth fixed, and then I'd stay I stayed at my uncle's for about a week until we got into a home up in Adelaide, and then that's where I started Parryville's High, which was another fresh start. <laughs> and you know what, Parryville's High, like that was. Amazing. That was the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Where you, yeah. Yeah. So I was good at foot uh, rugby league. They didn't play AFL at the school. 
Okay. Which was the kangaroo? Was it Kangaroo Island that did the AFL? Yeah, and that's where you were. Exactly. Yeah, they yeah. were like you know indifferent again. Yes. Um. So yeah. Okay. So they do rugby league in Adelaide. Uh, they didn't play rugby league in Adelaide, so they didn't play. They, they played AFL in Adelaide, but this particular school that I, that I went to didn't, yeah. didn't have like AFL as their main sport. So that meant that there was no one there that was in these boys boys groups and i actually started to uh look around there were some rugby league clubs that uh were in adelaide and i started playing for them and then somewhere along the line i can't remember exactly how i did it but i i ended up convincing the pe teacher excuse me the pe teacher to um put together a rugby league team and i convinced him I could coach it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how old were you then? This was year eight, or you? Yeah, it was year eight. Year eight. Year eight, year nine. That's some cocky shit. Probably right year there. nine, I think. Yeah. I was fifteen. Yeah. And the only reason I had that cocky confidence was because I was playing for these mediocre clubs, and I was just completely like shredding them up yeah, because yeah, yeah, I was yeah. this kid from Sydney who knew how to play league uh, and I was big and I was fast and I was strong and I could pass the ball and I could catch the ball and I could just I had skills with step uh, so, so you're like the big we'll, fish in a little pond now yeah I was the big fish in the little pond uh, I won a grand final I scored like three or four tries in that skit that grand final and it was the club that was the shittest club around so i took them from being really crappy to like being premiers for the year i i uh, coached them as well so i coached the actual club i coached the uh, high school i had this little book that i carry around like have you you know uh, do you remember waterboy and how the coach in waterboy had his little playbook yeah kind of yeah yeah a playbook yeah yeah, yeah, playbook stolen off and he lost all his confidence yeah (laughs) So I had my own little playbook that I would write in like that. And, and these are the plays here, H2O. And, and this, these are the, the, the plays that I'd use in um, the football team. I played for State, so I got to go to um, Perth. I played up in Rockhampton for South Australia. Went to New Zealand? I went to New Zealand for yeah. a little bit, yeah. I uh, got homesick and came back. <laughs> you ran away from that one too. Ran away from that one too, yeah. Uh, it's crazy. But that whole period of Paracels High um, was probably one of my best years yes. as a kid. Yeah. Because I got to just figure it out. And uh, there was like, I got to a point where I was big enough to push Paul out of our lives so yeah I was gonna say like when did you start lifting weights yeah so I started lifting weights uh in the backyard around about the same time that I started at Paracos mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and purely it was because I was interested in girls so yeah. I wanted to put on a little bit of size I was wanting to look good i was a bit scrawny after i lost all the weight after starting start to play footy yeah so you lost weight because of football right yeah. so you started to go from the chubby boy yeah. to the like like skinny boy yeah 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 so then boy. then you 
what would have made you like you're interested in girls but what made you think that that's what girls wanted you know what i mean yeah. paul okay um, yeah so he had a bit of an paul influence had a on huge you. influence even though I, I don't like to admit it yeah i've even I've, I've seen the negative influence come out a few times yeah uh in some like behaviors uh that i've that i've picked up but with paul the story was you know if you're um if you're a good route you'll get talked about um the girls on the sideline uh, will want you um you've got to be big and muscly and i was taking all this advice from this fucking fraud like honestly i look at him now he was a complete ugly nut dude that just was trying to hide his own insecurities um at this around at the same time like mum gave me a porn magazine when i was 13. um I, it was just a really toxic masculine sexuality uh story that was weaved into my puberty and that paved the way for me to think oh, it's all about being you know big and macho and strong um looking a certain way acting a certain way and yeah treating women a certain way as well um so that's opened up some conversation mm. Mm. <laughs> a whole new topic yeah that's okay then yeah so that's that's basically the story that was leading to why i started lifting weights mm. yeah yeah so you started lifting weights yeah and and I was going to bring up the topic about how then you started to become popular with the with the girls. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So playing football, started lifting weights. I know that there was a reason, another reason why you wanted to lift weights as well, and you mentioned it before about Paul. Uh, yeah. So I didn't know it at the time, but by lifting weights, I would be stronger, and then I'd be able to you know, push him around because he'd push mum around a fair bit. Um, there's a few, yeah, there's a few different reasons why I started lifting weights. Mm. Yeah. So you got to push Paul out? Yeah. So uh, we got drunk one day, he was nose to nose with mum, and I, I had this overwhelming fight in me to get between them, go nose to nose with him and send him out the door. So I was sitting at the door and he fell on his ass and he got up and he was so angry. Uh, and and I, I was in a moment of, holy shit, I just did that. <laughs> I'm in shit now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or those things where, that you oh do when you don't think about the actual nah. repercussions. And I sprinted down the street as fast as I could yeah. because I knew that if I can get him running that, in that direction, don't ask me how I out. knew. Yeah to do that well you spent how many okay so how many years was paul in your life or, or your stepdad well you know it wasn't legally your stepdad but the, yeah. so he started he was in my life year five so year five year six seven eight but by, by year nine I, I was big enough to get rid to of pushing him out so year nine years. so you were like 16 15 16 15. yeah 15 16 15. when you were pushing him out so yeah. you've known his behaviors yeah um for a long time and they think people think that I don't know how many people think this, but some people think that kids are silly. Yeah. Right? They think that we we don't pick up on things mm. as a child and we're resilient and all this kind of thing, but we actually are, are there in the midst of it. Mm. Yeah. So you would have studied his behavior and would mm. have known. 
Yeah, yeah, I knew that. I, yeah, if I, I suppose in hindsight, I probably knew if I can get him angry enough, I could have him chase me down the street, and then I, I knew I was agile enough to get around him because I'd be playing football. Mm. So I used that to my advantage. I ran back into the house, the door, locked the door, and that was it. It's gone. Mum called Uncle John. Uncle John came down and saw him out. Yeah. Yeah. And how was that for you? Oh, it was another breath of fresh air. Like an, that was another start over moment. Mm -hmm. Because from there, then it was just me, Chris, and the two girls. He really took a very shrewd, like he shrunk into this little corner of our lives to where he like went down a, a bad path and yeah, he's, he's gone now. Mm. Um, so yeah, that was another defining moment. And then that was where I really just started to rebel. Um, and I was never home. I was walking all over Adelaide. Mum didn't know where I was. Uh, I don't know if she really cared in the sense of but she had she knew that I could take care of myself. Yeah. And she had Maybe. Chris, she, she had, had Chris. the two she young two girls. girls as well. Yeah. yeah. So she was probably like, you know, at capacity or yeah, yeah her life was filled mm. with other duties. Mm. Yeah. And I think back to those times too and I think, holy shit, how did I get through mm. that? I think we all do in the teenage yeah. years. We, we think back to how do we even survive that? Or there were many situations where it could have been far worse. Yeah. 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 So you started rebelling. You also, um, you know, you were having fun as a teenager. And you were also lifting weights. And then, you know, pretty early on, you got a job um, in the gym, right? Yeah. So I did yeah. a lot of uh, drinking. Yep. And uh, I, did a, I stayed away from the drugs, thankfully. But I did a lot of drinking, binge drinking, and you know I was uh, hanging around in clubs at sixteen in Adelaide because I had all the friends that could get me in. Uh, so that was a really kind of from sixteen to eighteen. I did a lot of partying, and then I got a job in the gym, and that was the first time that I thought I could really make myself into a better person. And I got obsessed, obsessed with it. Uh, I could f make money out of that passion that I had for weights. And that's where I got into the fitness industry. And it kind of kept you on the straight and narrow too. Like if you have an Big obsession time. with lifting weights and looking after yourself, mm. then that, sort of, that other stuff falls away. Yeah, big time. Uh, so I'm very lucky that I... Uh, met the people that I did. So it was all a really interesting process. I had uh, blown my ACL out playing touch football, which then caused me to not be able to complete the physical component of PE, which was part of my points that I needed for the uh, equivalent of the HSE. I can't remember what they called it back then. It was just year 12 certificate. So I couldn't complete the year 12 certificate. And I got some work experience at a gym, having already done, like there was a Cert 2 in fitness back then, and then I did a Cert 3 in fitness. So I got um, some work experience at a gym, and that's where I met Ash. And uh, Ash took me under his wing, and he ended up convincing him to give me a job. It's after the work experience. So 
I was doing kids fun fitness and I, that's where I met Daniel. So Daniel, you're listening, mate. <laughs> um, <laughs> if he listens to the Hey Mama your, podcast. your shout out. Or his wife sure should be. Yeah. Um, and I was being paid to mark around with these kids, uh, teaching fitness. Yeah, and so fun, right? Yeah. And also take some supervised personal training back then. So I... I was told that if they, if, if I wanted the best chance of getting a job there, I needed to go and do a Les Mills certificate. And I was also paid for to do that. So they forked out the 500 bucks to send me to Les Mills. To I mean, Les Mills was massive back then. Body pump. Yeah. So I learned how to teach body pump and uh, nerdy fat boy <laughs> bodybuilder to learning Coro <laughs> was an interesting process, but a really awesome time of my fitness career looking back on that too. Uh, I learned how to speak to groups of people that were looking at me and following my instructions. I learned how to teach and coach and public speaking skills. And I really got out of my shell at that stage in a good way. Uh, so for a lot of years there, it was getting out of my shell in the wrong way, mm-hmm. in the way that I have, had been taught. And, and Paul was an alcoholic. Uh, so yeah, you had that kind of environment around you as well. Yeah. And I mean, as a young kid that's a bit lost um, without the, the support um, and that someone to reel you back in, mm. you are going to go down that path because it's the easiest path mm. and it's just right there. Yeah. 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 So that's where I started uh, my own business as well. I ran that out of a cash tin and I started bodybuilding as well. And that was a whole new kind of roller coaster ride. Yeah. And you're like, you and your mum did this bodybuilding journey together. Yeah. So I started bodybuilding and I met, uh, I did this, uh, I met a coach through the gym and maybe six months later, uh, mum inquired with the same coach and then we ended up started competing. Uh, she would do her division and I'd do mine. Uh, yeah, so we did that for about three years and in between comp seasons, that's where I'd go out and be an 18-year-old, 19-year-old. Get loose. Yeah. 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 So it was probably not the best time of my life to be doing something like competing in bodybuilding. <laughs> Definitely not. But we all do things that, you know, uh, we all make mistakes or we all do things that we well, I thought that look it would back. Make me more of a desirable choice when it comes to personal training, which it did. Um, I looked like I knew my shit. Of course. Yeah. So it, it, it taught me a lot about food and about diet and about behavior and gave me a lot of stories to be able to use to help people help people change their habits now mm, so mm. you've got all that experience behind you plus the the experience that we've had yeah. together yeah um so yeah like even though you think it probably wasn't the best choice it's um made you up for who you are mm. Mm. and uh fast forward a bit how mm. did you end up in depot 
So we won't talk about how we met. Let, <laughs> I think we're going to leave it. We're going to leave it there. Okay. So I was, what was this? I was obviously I was in Adelaide still. Bodybuilding. Bodybuilding. Mum had met someone online who lived in Dubbo. So she she ended up uh, marrying him and moving there. And when she married and moved, I had the choice to stay in Adelaide or go with. So I stayed in Adelaide for a few months. So how old were you here? Like 20 by now? Yeah. Yeah. 20, uh, no, 19. 19? Yeah. would have been 19. Maybe 18 to 19, I think, because I, I spent a few months there. Mm. in Adelaide I came up to Dubbo for Christmas holidays uh, and then I got to Dubbo but I'd met someone before I left Dubbo for that Christmas holidays so I wanted to get back to her and my friends so I moved back uh, and the way I moved back was I from Dubbo took a bus all the way to the border of New South Wales and then I had her pick me up we broke up on the trip back to Adelaide <laughs> Uh, what I, in the car like uh, you we stayed in uh like she had some friends that were camping by the river yeah and we went like kneeboarding and stuff and then one of those nights like she got drunk and i was pissed off and i was we broke it off um because she was yeah uh, she was hanging out with some guys and i was insecure yeah, uh, yeah, so yeah. that was what broke that up yeah and then i Ended up landing at a mate's of a mate's house, and I, I lived in Adelaide for a, tw a good twelve months after that. So I hopped around houses. I stayed with him for a bit. They were expecting, uh, and then it was pretty clear that I wouldn't be able to stay there. So I found another place to live at where we house shared. Uh, it was that was for about six months, and then I ended up house sharing with a mate who did some bodybuilding. Uh, which was <laughs> didn't work out because we were both carbon depleted and cranky AF. So uh, by the end of that 12 months, I had, and I've never really said this out loud, but I had absolutely no capacity to take care of myself uh, and actually, you know, build a career and, and do all of that. Because you de you depleted yourself through bodybuilding, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, you yeah. had enough. Yeah. So I got fired from the job that I had as a PT because I was selling diets on the side, <laughs> diet plans on the side and uh, supplements on the side. Now I've always had this entrepreneurial rebellious attitude streak, yeah. um, streak and it's never really helped me with my employment. So I moved to Adelaide, so I moved to Dubbo with this story in my head that I'm, I'm leaving Adelaide because I, you know, used up everything down there. Start fresh again. This is a pattern for me. <laughs> Are you just realizing as yeah. you're talking? Yeah. Start fresh again. <laughs> and I'll think back to all the video games I used to play as a kid. Yeah. Oh, and if you stuff up, you press yeah. pause and start again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My so brother bit, used to do that all like... the time. It's like, oh, I made a mistake right there at the start. Now I'm starting again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So reset, restart. So I reset again. Yeah. And I had the story in my head that I would never be uh, in the gym again. 
Oh, yes, you were done with fitness. I was done with fitness. I just wanted a nine to five job, a desk job. Yeah. Because that's that was my view of what I could do. Yeah. But my only skill was actually being in a gym. Yeah. So I ended up getting a job, a job at a, at a local gym there as a receptionist. As a receptionist. Um, as a receptionist. Yeah. And that's how I got to know. Cool. Well, it gives you much more away. Okay. <laughs> so uh, we're doing these episodes in between our guests or my guests um, episodes. And if you are only just listening uh, to this series, go back and um, listen to series one where we talk. Um, it's all about my experiences um, as a mum and a mum of two and then a mum of uh, a child that didn't sleep and um, why I'm so passionate about um, the fit mum method and the way that we coach our, our clients and you know and both mums and dads and, and, and families uh, so that's why this series we thought we're going to do something a little bit different so you got to know me and that experience there so now um, and we got a really, we got really good feedback from that. People really enjoyed listening to that. And Pete's always putting me under the hot seat. So um, I, I thought we would, we would do a, a bit of a different kind of series this time and get to know us as individuals and then us together. So stay tuned uh, for series two, and that would be the origin of me. Am I going to interview you? Yeah, you're going to interview me. Yeah. See ya. Bye. Actually, these. Do you want to see these? Yeah. While we while we're filming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Show okay. me. <laughs> All right. So I pulled out these. Um, I always ask my guides to give me messages on um, what's the clear message that our audience needs to get out, and what's the clear message that my guest needs to. Um, receive and what is the message that I need to receive because we're all receiving here so uh, I pulled this before Pete didn't want to see it he wanted to see it on the podcast mm. and um, the first one that came up was feelings and the second one that came up was breaking free okay. yeah so a lot of the stuff you talked about today was kind of like breaking free of um, you know your patterns and behaviors and um, your 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 upbringing. Yeah, I had to feel that all over again. Yeah, and I can see it in your face too. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel comfortable at all after that whole conversation. Like it was just yeah, it's a, a lot there. But then it's it's purging. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and you probably won't feel comfortable until tomorrow morning when you've slept on it. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, thanks for listening. For listening to another episode of Hey Mama, you can find all the relevant links, including socials, in the description section of this podcast. If you want to find out more information about how I can help you build your best body after babies, then visit my website www.thefitmummethod.com for more info. Lastly, before you leave here today, if you've enjoyed listening, then please subscribe and share so you can help me to reach out to those mamas that also need to listen too. 